Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. have one question for you before we get into our study this evening and the question is what did you come expecting tonight when you came to Victory Church tonight what are you expecting to receive or did you even come expecting anything this week in our small group we're studying Acts chapter number three and we've already had our small group it was Monday evening and as we studied through that and and I've been camping out in that chapter ever since then and I'm reminded again if you want to turn there we're going to go to the book of Jude but I, I want to just drive this point home uh, we ought to come expecting to worship if you can't come here and worship and sing then uh, it's nobody's fault but your own and so you need to get right with God right I mean we ought to be able to come here and worship if you can't I mean I don't know whose fault it is other than yours so talk to God about that and get things straightened out right but we should come expecting something. Acts chapter 3, this is the, this is the chapter of the, the man that had been laid at the gate called Beautiful for, uh, you know, all this for his whole life. And, and he was just begging for alms. And if you look in Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 4, it says, Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. And so he turned to them, get this, expecting to get something from them. Uh, this man that was crippled laid there uh, by the temple gate. And when he saw Peter and John, he was asking for alms, but uh, they drawed attention to him and said, look at us. And he looked expecting to get something from them. Now, he got far more than he was expecting, but at least he was expecting something. And I wonder how many times we come to church, maybe sometimes out of duty or because we have a position or a title and we feel obligated um, you know, you don't always feel like coming to church. And I, I always say when you don't feel like coming to church, do what you know you're supposed to do, whether you feel like it or not. Do I need to say that again? I mean, obedience is better than sacrifice, the scripture says. So it's not about whether you feel good or not. It's not about whether you feel like it or not. It's about being obedient. But we should come expecting something, right? Whenever we come to the Lord's house, we ought to come and to expect something from God. Not just going through the motions of, of just walking in and getting a cup of coffee and singing a couple of songs and listening to me speak and then go back home and, and nothing ever changed in our world. I hope and pray that something does change in your world. I hope and pray that you come expecting to receive something from the Lord this evening. Now we're going to be in the book of Jude. I want you to go ahead and turn back there. Last week I shared with you in Jude 1 and 2, we talked a little bit. Let me read that passage. It says, Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And then he says in verse 3, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith. And I'm going to stop right there. 
I'm really, I really have full intentions of just getting through verse 2 tonight. Uh, last week I shared with you four reasons why we should not live in fear. A lot of times whenever you think about apostasy, whenever you think about the end of the church age where I believe Jude is drawing our attention to and even in that day uh, was drawing attention to those that were apostates, uh, to those that were turning from the faith, Sometimes that can be scary. Whenever we look in our world today and we see what's going on in our world today, sometimes it can cause us to live in fear. And I think we as children of the Most High God, we as children of God Almighty that spoke this world into existence, the one that said, I know you by name, the one who said, I have called you, I think whenever we understand some of these four things that Jude is unpacking for us and laying out for us, I think it can help us not to live in fear. Sometimes we can live in fear as we look around in our world today. And we talked briefly about this last week, but I believe he gives us four reasons why we as believers in Jesus Christ should be able to find our rest in God and not live a life filled with anxiety and worry and fear. You know what I have discovered in my own life? Whenever I'm starting to feel anxious about something, whenever I am becoming more and more overwhelmed with worry and anxiety and concern, I, I realize that I have narrowed my focus down to just the problem in me. And that'll cause you to lose some sleep. Hello? You ever been there, done that? But whenever I broaden my perspective and I lift my eyes up over the horizon and I realize that this is going to sound, this is going to sound so maybe you're going to think, where did he get that? But I was traveling down 161 this morning, leaving Mascuda and coming out of Mascuda, headed this way. And I came across Silver Creek Bridges and where the creek rolls through there and everything was frozen over and I got to thinking about all that I had been seeing on the news this morning about the president coming and giving his report and all that he was going to be doing today and, uh, and all the news that I was just hearing, you know, sometimes that can get real discouraging and I came across Silver Creek and I looked down in there and I saw this tree, it was huge and I'm thinking, I wonder how long that tree's been there. And, and, and I had this thought come through my mind that God knows exactly how long that tree's been there. And that tree has been there through I don't know how many different presidents that have come in and out. That tree has been there through I don't know how many different financial cliffs we may or may not have come to through all these years. That tree has been there and in the wintertime it goes dormant. And then in the spring, leaves are going to come on it again, and it's going to bloom, and it's going to grow. I know you're thinking, what in the world is he thinking? But this is, this is what I got when I came across the bridge this morning. No matter what happens in Washington, D.C., that, that tree is going to be there tomorrow morning. And that tree is going to do what it does. Why? Because it's been commanded and created by God, and it's going to grow, and it's going to bloom in its season. And it's going to put forth its leaves. And I guess it helped me to look at that. And I know this is kind of weird. I know it has nothing to do with what I'm saying right here. But it brought peace to me this morning knowing 
You know what? That tree could care less about what they're saying on the news. That tree, I mean, that tree is God's creation. That tree is, matter of fact, and then in my mind went to Psalm 1, how we are to be planted, you know, like a tree with roots running deep. And I started thinking about some of those things. And, and it just helped me to realize that God is in control. And I don't know, when I came across and I saw that huge tree and it right there by the creek bank and the creek was frozen over and there was some water running, frost was everywhere, I was overcome with just a tremendous amount of peace in knowing that that's part of God's creation and that's part of his plan and regardless of what takes place in our nation, you know, unless somebody comes and cuts the thing down, it's going to be there tomorrow morning. And I got to thinking about things are going to be okay because I'm trusting the creator of that tree, God. Does that make sense? I don't even know why I shared that with you. I knew you'd think I was crazy by sharing that. But I got great peace when I saw that tree by the creek this morning and I knew that there was a God in heaven that created it and that was in control. And I think a lot of times we can be overcome by fear and I think Jude is writing to us in this these treacherous times, even in this writing, he's saying to you who are believers, and then we're talking about the audience that Jude is writing to, and he says, you that are believers, to those who are called, and last week we talked about that, that's reason number one, why we should not live in fear, anxiety, or worry, worry because we have been called by God. And I talked about that general call, but then I think this calling is a little more specific than just the general call where, where Jesus in the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's that general call. I believe this calling is more specific. Uh, it's calling you by name. It's tugging at your heartstring. And he's wanting us to remember when God got a hold of us. And that's the calling that I tried to unpack for you last week. So whenever we think about how we have been called, it should alleviate make, and remove in our life some of the fear and, and and anxiety that may be there. The second thing is, we've been loved by God the Father. And boy, if we could ever really get a hold of how much God loves us, it would transform our lives completely. And I mentioned last week, and I still think it's true, and I'm going to reiterate it once again tonight. I think oftentimes we live our life trying to, trying to earn or or do something to accept or, or, to, or to get more of God's love. Sometimes we live our lives in a way that we think, boy, if I just do this, God will love me. Or if I don't do that, God will love me. You know what? There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. And there's nothing you can do that will cause God to love you any less. He loves you. And man, if we could just really get a hold of that, the fact that he has called me, the fact that he loves me. And then two more things he mentions. Not only are we called, latter part of verse 1, not only are we loved by God the Father, but number three, we are kept by Jesus Christ. And then number four is that we are blessed, and we find that in verse number two. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So four reasons why we do not have to live filled with anxiety or fear. Number one, we have been called. Number two, we have been loved and are loved by God. Number three, we are kept by Christ Jesus. And sometimes Armenians struggle with this. 
But I believe in the eternal security of the believer. I don't die or I don't lay my head on my pillow tonight thinking that I may lose my salvation by first thing tomorrow morning. Hello? I rest knowing that all is well with my soul. I am secure in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I am kept. Now that's a whole other doctrine that I'm not going to be able to unpack for you here this evening. I've, I've done a lot of teaching on that in the past. So if you go through our podcast, you'll find a lot about the perseverance of the saints, Arminianism versus Calvinism. I've preached my whole life on that subject and there's a lot of messages out there that I preach that you can listen to. So I don't have time to unpack that. However, I do find peace and rest and comfort and the removal of all fear knowing that I'm kept by Christ Jesus. Is that not what the Bible says? I'm going to unpack that a little bit more for you. But I am kept by Christ Jesus and then I am filled and blessed with mercy and peace and love. How that is, and Jude is saying that that would be multiplied, that that would be increased. That's what that's saying. That that be increased in your love. That mercy be increased, that peace be increased, and love be increased, be multiplied to you. Listen, we're blessed people, guys. Man, if you could just, I don't know about you, but Jude 1 and 2, that, that's kind of enough to get me through the rest of my life. Do we really need anything else? Hello? Knowing that I have been called, knowing that I am loved by God, knowing that I am kept by Christ Jesus, knowing that God's blessings are bestowed upon me and I am increasing more and more in mercy and peace and love. What more do we need? Somebody say, what more do we need? Just say, what, just say it. Look to your neighbor and say, what more do we need? You don't need anything else. If you've got, if you, listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you live in Jude 1 and 2, that's really all you need. Hello? Well, let me try to unpack these last two for us this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together and thank you so much for your word. And God, we find tremendous strength and encouragement whenever we get into your word and we start digging out some truths of Scripture. And Father, I pray that you bless us now. I pray you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and give us understanding and help us, Lord, to receive your word this evening. And God, I pray that there'd be someone here tonight that would leave here be, being changed, maybe getting more than they expected when they walked in the door tonight. Help us, God, to be able to leave our fears and anxieties and worries at the altar, knowing that we are called by you, that we are loved by you, that we are kept by you, and we are being increased daily with mercy, peace, and love. Bless the study and the reading of your word this evening. Illuminate our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The third reason why we do not have to live in fear, I believe Jude is writing for us, is that we are kept. I want you to write down that word. We're kept. Who's doing the keeping? Jesus. Hello? We are kept by Jesus Christ. Now, there's a whole lot you could say about this and a lot of different directions you can go, but one of my favorite passages of Scripture is going to be John chapter 10. I want you to turn there, if you will, please. Dan got on me, or didn't get on me, kind of approached me last 
Wednesday evening after service. Said, you didn't go to John 10. I didn't preach on keeping yet. I'm going there. That, we're going to be there tonight, Dan. We're getting there. He said, it was right there. It was the very next word. I didn't get there. I was just the first two points. I am there tonight. But Dan's got a very good handle on this, and it is great stuff. And he was excited about it. And Dan, I appreciate you sharing that with me. But we are kept by Jesus Christ. I want you to look in John chapter 10. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. I'm just going to begin reading in verse number 25. John 10 in verse number 25. Jesus is speaking. He says, I did tell you and you don't believe. And Jesus answered them, The works that I do in my Father's name, or in my Father's name, testify about me, but, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. Now understand, everybody in the world today, you're either in the sheepfold of Jesus Christ or you're not his sheep. I mean, you're either in Christ or out of Christ. One of two. You're either born again or you're not. You say, well, what about denomination? I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about in Christ Jesus or you're not. You're either my sheep or you're not. You either believe or you don't. Is that pretty simple? It's pretty easy. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? Look in verse 27. Get this. This is good stuff. My sheep, Jesus is speaking now. Now he's speaking to those that aren't even believing in him. All right? He's speaking to those that he already knows, has identified that they're not even in the sheepfold. But he says, my sheep. I love that. (laughs) I like that. My sheep. Hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Who gives it? Jesus. Jude, who's doing the keeping? Jesus, right? Whose sheep are we? Jesus' sheep. He is our shepherd. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish ever! Exclamation point. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out Of the Father's hand, the Father and I are one. Now, I've done a lot of teaching out of this passage of Scripture over the years as well. Talking about the beliefs of Arminianism and Calvinism, eternal security, unconditional, conditional. I believe what we find here is a conditional promise. Look what it says, if you will. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And what do they do? They are following me. They believe You see, he's talking to a group of people that did not believe. But his sheep believe. And he knows us. And we hear his voice. And we're listening for his call. And the Bible says, Jesus says, I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. I love this next phrase. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. Man, I love that. Do you realize there's not a demon in hell that can snatch you out of the Father's hand? Do you realize that? There's not, there's not a person in this world, there is no one powerful enough to remu- remove you from the hand of an almighty God. Right? As long as we are listening and following 
and we're listening and following, we're in his hand. Man, there's, there's tremendous security in that. Knowing that we are in the Father's hand. And Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One. There's part of the Trinity at work there. I and the Father are one. We are in his hand. Now, someone has said that in a week's time, and I think it's a little low. I think it may need to be higher, but I was reading some statistics somewhere. And someone said that in a week's time that the average person will watch and hear or be influenced by 250 to 300 commercials in a week's time. I think maybe that's a little low. I mean, time you factor in the radio and you factor in the internet and all these different advertisements pop and the commercials pop up and and time you watch a a program anymore, I mean, it seems like every you get into a program, two or three minutes, and boom, they break and go to a commercial. And then we're back in, I mean, I don't know. Well, let's just say 250, 300 commercials. Out of all those commercials that we watch, that we see, matter of fact, um, we got a new board game for Christmas called Logos. You guys may have, may have been out for years, and you guys may have already been all over that, but we weren't, and we kind of been getting into that. And, and I've been amazed how much I don't know about companies and commercials. And, you know, on this commercial, it would say, what? I don't know, because I am. You know what I'm doing when commercials come on? Man, I am looking for the remote, right? Where's the remote control? Who's got my remote, right? I can't stand those things. And the best invention ever is a DVR. And so now you don't have to watch any of it. You just kind of DVR your favorite shows or whatever. And you fast forward through all that stuff. So, so I didn't do real well at this, at this game. However, I'm going to give you a quote. And you're probably going to know it. And it's a pretty cool commercial that comes on from time to time. You finish it for me. You're in good hands with... <laughs> Tried to impersonate him a little bit. His voice a little deeper than mine. Right? You're in good hands with Allstate. Right? But let me tell you something better than that. I mean, whenever we think about insurance and Allstate and, and talking about life insurance and how you're in good hands with, with Allstate, you know, you're in better hands when you're in God's hands. Right? And I believe what Jesus is saying here is that you don't need Allstate. You don't need a set of good hands that may take care of you in this life. You're in God's hands, right? And no man will be able to pluck you from God's hands. And that's, that's a pretty good insurance policy, right? Allstate doesn't hold a candle to that when we are in God's hands. So whenever I, I start thinking, as I look at this, I'm thinking, now I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to just build a a word picture, if you will, with scripture around this word kept. So, So that you will understand that we are kept by God. We are in his hands. Okay? So whenever I start thinking about the Father's hand, I think there's some passages of scripture that gives us a little bit better understanding of what kind of hand we are in. So let me try to unpack that for you. And I've got about... Holy smoke, is this clock right? 7.43, is that what you guys have? I have about 15 minutes or so here to try to share with you a little bit about God's hands. Because I think if you can understand who God is, 
and, and what he's done for you and what he's in the process of doing and what he's done in the past. I think it, I think it helps remove the anxieties and the fears in our life. Listen, we are kept by God. We are in his hands and we will never perish as long as we're in the hands of an almighty God. So let's think a, li- a little bit about his hands. Whenever I think about the hands of Jesus, and the Bible says that he was a carpenter, I think about a strong hand, right? I mean, you think about the hands of a, of a carpenter. I remember we lived back in the mountains of North Carolina, and, and we had a lot of men in our church that were loggers, and they, would, they, would, they had hundreds of acres and, that they owned, and they would go up, and they would cut these big trees, and, and they would log and, and bring the logs out, and, and they would replant uh, what they cut with more trees, and, and it was just an ongoing process. And I would shake hands with those guys, Man, the grip they had was unbelievable. But it was like grabbing a big old Brillo pad. It was rough, tough, and strong. And whenever I think about Jesus, the hands of our Lord, knowing that he was a carpenter, and he, I'm sure, he and Joseph, they went out and they got their own wood and they worked the wood and they created furniture and different things, whatever carpenters were doing, building things. I think about his hands. Our Lord. You see, I think our world today paints this little wimpy picture of Jesus. Man, he was tough. And I believe he was a man's man. And I believe he had a man's hand. A strong hand. I'm trying to get you to see how you are kept in his hand. Let me give you a a couple passages of scripture. I want you to turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter 21. I want you to look in Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to look at verse number 12. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 12. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. So, So go to both of those. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. And then Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 31. But in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 12, this is when Jesus went into the temple complex. You remember he got angry here. Now, I don't believe he sinned at all. But he he really got angry about what he saw. And here we find this man, the son of man, the son of God, 100% human, 100% God. And he goes into the temple and he doesn't like what he sees. And look what it says in verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple complex and he drove out all those that were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those that were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. You know what I think it takes to be able to go in into the temple that day? I believe it takes a man with some strong hands and a strong man. I want you to just get a picture of who our Lord is, okay? I believe he has strong hands. He has strong enough hands to grab those tables and turn them over and drive the people out and make that declaration. He was a strong man with strong hands. But he was also able, if you go back over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse number 31, we also see that his hands are strong enough that he's able to pull up Peter. Remember when Peter was walking on the water? And a lot of times we look at Peter and we'll, we kind of make a lot of um, 
uh, negative um, accusations oftentimes about Peter, but other than Jesus, he's the only man that ever walked on water, right? I mean, he, he got out of the boat when everybody else was afraid to. Uh, he said, Lord, if it's you, I'm coming to you. I mean, I got, there's a lot. I, w- I wish we had more Peters around here, right? And we had people being more like him. But if you look in, in uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, in verse number 31, Peter's now sinking, uh, and immediately, verse 31, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught hold of him and said, Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I, I bet if anybody was glad that Jesus had a strong hand, I guarantee you Peter was glad he had a strong hand that day, right? And I guess the point is, no matter what you're going through in life, There is a God in heaven. Our Lord knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly where you are in life. His hand is strong enough to lift you up out of the situations that you may find yourself in. He is a God with strong hands. And according to John 10, that's the hand of our God that we're in. And no man can pluck us out of it. He's got a strong hand. He also has a tender hand. Not only a strong hand, but a tender hand. You remember Matthew chapter number 19, and I'm not going to turn there and read it, but verses 14, 13, 14, 15, Matthew 19. You remember that's when he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. And, and that's where you see the, the picture. And I mean, I've seen these since I was small in Sunday school. And you, you see the picture of Jesus sitting under a, under a tree and... And the little kids running around and one coming up on his knee and sitting there. Not only is he a God with a strong hand, but he's also a God with a tender hand. You see, because there's some times when you go through life that we're sometimes frail, right? I mean, we can, our spirits and emotionally, we can be broken. But aren't you glad that that's when all you just need is a touch from the master and to realize you're kept in his hand. It's a strong hand, but at the same time, it is a tender hand. And then in Mark's gospel, chapter number 6, we see another attribute, if you will, of his hand. It's a wonder-working hand. It's a, it's a hand that worked many different miracles. It's a hand that did many signs and wonders among the people of that day. It is a wonder-working hand filled with working all types of miracles while he was walking here in the earth. And then in Matthew chapter 12, verse 49, I like this one. It's an inclusive hand. You remember when... When he looked and, and talked about Mary and, and, uh, and his brothers, if you will, and, and then he looked around to all the people and he said, you are, you are my mother, you are my brother, you are my sister, and all those that believers in Jesus Christ, it is an all-inclusive hand. So whenever we think about John chapter 10, when Jesus said that, that my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and no one will be able to pluck them out of my hand. I want you to get an idea of whose hand you're in. Will you allow me to go a little bit further with this? Are you okay with this? How much more time do I have? Let me go a little bit further with this idea because I don't know, whenever I start thinking about how I'm in his hand, I'm in his care, man, there's a peace that comes over me. It is a strong hand. It is a tender hand. It is a wonder-working hand. It is an all-inclusive hand that we're in. But I believe our Lord wants us to consider our Father's hand. Now, I wrote down some notes as I was studying some of this and doing some research. And and I believe the Lord, or Jesus, wants us to consider the Father's hand. I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. And look, if you will, in verse number 12. Now, we're talking about, and I want you to get a sense of the Father's hand. 
God the Father's hand. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 12, I love, matter of fact, I almost want to go back and read the entire chapter 40. What, what great stuff we find here. But, but for sake of time, I've just got to jump to verse number 12. And speaking about God, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. You know the scripture teaches that the waters of the entire earth are, are held in the hollow of his hand. Now, now I want you to hold your hand out. Now, I want you to get an idea what the hollow. Uh, don't cup your hand. This is not our God trying to be sure he can hold all the water. I mean, we cup our hands trying to hold stuff, right? I mean, if I hold mine out, I don't want you to fill it up with chocolate-covered uh, peanut M&Ms, right? Or if I hold them out, give me some Butterfingers right there or something. And I try to hold it so I can hold more. I just kind of hold your hand out, just kind of naturally hold it out. And you see that, that little hollow place there? Some of you aren't looking. That's your hand. Look at your hand. You see that little hollow place there? The scripture says in Psalm 40 and verse 12 that God has measured the waters with a, just the hollow of his hand. I want you to get an idea of how, how, how magnificent and how omnipotent and how big our God is. That he just holds the water in the hollow of his hand. Now if he can hold all the water in the world, in the hollow of his hand, don't you think he can hold you and take care of you? Sure he can, right? Matter of fact, get this. I pulled this out of a sermon that I would preached a long time ago, and I pulled some statistics out, some research out, and, and I verified it again today to make sure it's true. <laughs> and it's pretty doggone close. I may be off about... Whenever I talk about the earth spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, I think I'm off like 3,000, or, or not 3,000, but like, like 300 or something. But anyhow, it's pretty close. I want you to get this. The, with the naked eye, we can look out into the galaxy, we can look out into the stars, into the heavens on a clear night, and with the naked eye, it has been researched that you can see 1,029 stars. When the very first telescope was brought out, they pulled that baby out and looked at it, and they found they could see 3,336 stars. Okay? Hang on to these facts. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to know that there are more than, there are more than 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Right? There are more than 100 billion stars in our galaxy. With a natural eye, we see about 1,000. With the very first telescope, they could only see about 3,336. We know there's more than a billion stars in our galaxy. And get this, we know that there's more than 100 billion galaxies in our universe. Are you tracking with me here? Each galaxy has at least 100 billion stars. Do you know that the God who holds all the water in the hollow of his hand... The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, look down in verse number 26, that our God has every star in heaven named. Did you get that? On a clear night, we can see about 1,000. When the first telescope came, we could see 336. We know that there are more than 100 billion stars in our galaxy. We know that there's more than 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And each galaxy has at least 100 billion stars. And according to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 26, the Bible says, Look up and see 
Who created these? He brings out the starry host by number and he calls all of them by name. Guys, I mean, I'm sharing some stuff with you that almost should make an Episcopalian shout. It, it, should, it should bring some type of an expression on your face. That's a big God. <laughs> Come on, folks. This is your God I'm talking about. He's the one that's keeping me. You know why I sleep so good at night? This is the God who is keeping me. Now, get this right now. Here we go. Right now, the earth is spinning at a thousand miles per hour on its axis. The earth is traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. While that's happening, the sun is moving across the Milky Way with her planets at 64,000 miles per hour. The galaxy as a whole is moving across the universe at 483,000 miles per hour. No wonder we're worn out by the end of the day. Right? You add all those numbers together and we're moving at a speed of 1,350,000 miles per hour. <laughs> and we are one of the slowest galaxies out there. Are you with me? I, I, I did fact check on all this stuff. And all the scientists and researchers, I, re, I pulled it straight from there. Their research. Our galaxy moves at 400,000 miles per hour. Most galaxies move at 10,000 miles per second. Are you with me? The question is, who keeps all this together? <laughs> Hello? God. The same God that's keeping you. The same God that has called you by name. The same God who loves you. That God is keeping you. Isaiah 40, in verse number 26, he has all the stars numbered and he calls them by name. Now, if our God has a hand that spans the universe, we may think, well, he's just too busy. I've heard people say, God's just too busy. No, no, no. He's not too busy for you. Because not only do I want you to see the hand that spans the universe, I also want you to see the hand that holds the worm. And by the way, when I'm talking about the worm, I'm not talking about some real worm. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. I want you to look what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 41. Look, at, look what it says in verse 13. For I, Yahweh, your God... Hold your right hand and say to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you. This is the Lord's declaration. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a sharp threshing board, new with many teeth. You will thresh mountains. You will pulverize them. You will make hills in the shaft. You see, Israel was thinking they'd been forgotten. And God said, I've not forgotten you. I know exactly who you are. I'm going to give you teeth so you can fight back. I'm going to give you strength so you can pulverize the mountains. I know who you are. I'm going to empower you. I know exactly who you are, O people of Israel, O Jacob. 
You see, whenever we look and we study, yes, God is a God whose hand spans the universe. And he is the one that has all those billions and multiplied billions of stars numbered and calls them by name. But he also knows exactly who you are. And he knew who, knew who Israel was. And he held them and he held their right hand and held hold of them. Can I tell you one more thing about his hand? Not only does it span the universe, not only does it hold the worm, which is you and me, not only does he know us by name and have all the stars numbered and knows them by name, but I want you to know also that his hand bears your name. Look in Isaiah 49 and verse number 16. Isaiah 49 and verse number 16. Let's start in verse 14. This is when the Lord is trying to remind Israel that I haven't forgotten you, that I know who you are. In verse 14, he says, Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me, that the Lord has forgotten me. And then he uses an analogy here. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. You see, whenever I read that scripture, and I think, Jesus, when did you inscribe me on the palm of your hand? I'm reminded in John's gospel, chapter number 20, when Jesus told Thomas, he said, behold my hands. You see, whenever Jesus was nailed on the cross and those wounds are in his hand from the nails being driven through his hand, I believe even then he inscribed your name and my name in his hand. I spent a lot of times talking about hands, and I, yeah, there's more. There's so much more in the Bible about Jesus' strong hand, our God's strong hand. I want to go back to Jude, and I'm going to finish with this one. I'm not even going to have time to get into the last one. Jude said, I'm writing to you, to those who are called, loved by God, and kept by Jesus Christ. I think I've laid out a pretty convincing argument for you this evening that God is able to hold you in his hand. He's able to fulfill what he said in John chapter 10. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. I know them by name. They follow me. No man, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Whenever you think about that, my prayer is for you, the same it is for me, that all fear will be gone. And there will be a peace that comes over us like we have never experienced before. When we know that there's not one thing in this world we'll ever face that we'll ever have to go through alone. There's a God in heaven that knows you. And he's holding you in his hand. We are kept by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this evening. And Thank you, God, for the comfort that we get 
in knowing that we have been called and that we are loved by you, but also we are kept by Jesus Christ. And I find great comfort in that. Great comfort. God, help each and every one of us, no matter how difficult the days may be, no matter what trials and situations we may have to go through, help each of us to realize that, that we don't have to live in fear and anxiety and worry because you have called us, because you love us, and because you keep us. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.